We back. morning. Happy Mother's Day. So if you were here last week, you heard the Mother's Day message. Don did a great job, and he was supposed to actually talk this Sunday, but I got sick in the middle of the week and thought I had COVID, so we switched. So if you didn't hear it last week, it's on our website, and he's posted it on their podcast, so you really should listen to it because it's an awesome, awesome message. So I'm going to start a new series um, for this month. And I've been praying about what I should talk about this last month. And, you know, I kind of debated some stuff, like we could go look at what Moses said to the children of Israel going to the promised land, but we haven't been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and I'm certainly not Moses. And uh, I thought a little bit about Joshua's message, and nah, I didn't want to do that. I even thought about, you know, Aragorn's speech in front of Mordor, you know, from Lord of the Rings, about fear and stuff, and I thought, well, no, there's no orcs, so we wouldn't do that. And even... Uh, uh, Billy Crystal and Carol Keynes uh, have fun storming the castle, boys, but that, if you know where that's from, The Princess Bride. So, as I prayed about it, I felt like God was taking me to Philippians 3. Paul has some really wise words for us. And if you think about Paul's story, you know he had a dramatic conversion. And he writes this to Timothy at the end of his life. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I think that's a great goal for us, don't you? Don't you want to come? I want you to come to a place where you're able to say this, where you can say, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. So how do we get there? Well, we're going to look at the passage in Philippians 3 where Paul says, I, this one thing I do. That's what we're going to look at. Starting today, we're going to take three weeks to unpack it and uh, work through it together. So would you pray? Would you just ask the Lord to show you something from his word this morning? And then uh, we'll dig in together. 
Father, thank you that you have given us such good instruction in your word about life and that you love us and that you want us to to finish the race well. So I pray, Father, that as we study your word together, as we think about it, that you'll help each person take away something that will help them in their journey. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what Paul says in Philippians 3. Brethren, I do not regard myself as as having laid hold of it yet. Is that encouraging to you? Paul didn't think he'd arrived. So you're in good company if you don't think you've arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the one thing is that last phrase, he presses on, but he modifies that by saying, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And so that's our outline for the next three weeks. We're going to talk about forgetting what lies behind today. I uh, recently read a book about a guy who hiked the Appalachian Trail, and it was, a, it was an encouraging little read um, because it just kind of gave you this metaphor of a journey, and he, he, t- he talked in the book about why he did it, and he talked about how he did it, and, you know, you have to, he made some plans, and he had a goal. He had a goal to reach Maine in a certain amount of time, and then it described how he went about doing that, and there was a process, as he did it, of kind of perfecting his equipment, like he, his, his shoes, he needed to get rid of them because it, they didn't work. And so sometimes there's a laying behind, and then there's a reaching forward, and then there's a day-by-day accomplishing of the task. We can only live in the present. And so today we're going to talk about forgetting what lies behind, but let's just back up a second and think about Paul, because he tells us something about himself. He says that I count everything lost, and he, he has this as his goal, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain from the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. So, if you think about a journey, and if you think about hiking, if you think about running a race, You want to have the lightest load possible. And part of dealing with forgetting what lies behind is having the light load, which is why I'm wearing a backpack today. So what do you want in your backpack from your past? You know, if you go through your house, I'm sure you have things that were given to you, and some of them are treasures. And some of them maybe not so much treasures, but there's a weight to your stuff. If you've ever decluttered a room, you know that it feels lighter when you're done. So what about your past should you forget? We're going to talk about today. So let's, let's, let's literally unpack. 
So the first thing that Paul says is, whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, if you read earlier in this, if you read earlier in this um, passage, he talks about his credentials. He says, I, and he had impressive credentials. He was um, a pretty impressive guy. He, he had studied with important people. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And it's unfortunate because we don't necessarily think correctly about that because in the Gospels, the Pharisees are kind of the bad guys, you know. They, they didn't get Jesus. And, but in their history, they were lovers of the law. They studied it. There were probably, according to one source that I had, about 6,000 Pharisees at the time of Jesus. And they... They were trying to help people. Remember, Jesus says, do what they say. They were trying to help people be obedient, but they just got off. And so Paul says, I was a Pharisee, and I was, I was keeping the law. So he had this impressive resume. You know, and resumes can be, have a weight to them, where you think you deserve certain kinds of things. Now, there's an appropriate place for a resume. You're looking for a job. It's appropriate to take one with you. There's legitimacy to this. But I remind you of Jesus. In John 13, John tells us that Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew he had come from the Father. He knew he was returning to the Father. He knew he was the Messiah. And what does he do? He lays aside his garments, he puts a towel around himself, and he washes his disciples' feet. Paul counted all these things as loss. Your resume can get in your way. It can keep you from doing the kinds of things that are necessarily in certain moments. Now, Save it. This, you want to keep your resume because, like I said, you might need a job someplace. So we're going to stick this back in. Sins and failures. We've all have made mistakes. We have all sinned. And if this is something you struggle with, like the enemy loves to go after us for our sin. If you're still carrying that around, you haven't really embraced God's forgiveness. You're trying to kind of make it right somehow by processing it. And so part of our sin, when we try to live in the past, is we're carrying this weight of sin and guilt around, and it just weighs us down. Um, the only solution to that is receiving God's grace. John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. They're gone. He doesn't condemn us. He forgives us. Can you receive that? Now, sometimes it's difficult because there's some unfinished business. 
one of the things that James tells us is confess your sins to one another. Sometimes you need help. You might need to talk to someone. And maybe the thing that you did wrong involved an injury to another person. Remember, Jesus tells us that if you remember your brother has something against you, you go, you try to make it right. So sometimes there may be some restitution that's needed as a part of closing the loop on it. But if you're stuck, if you keep replaying this, this mistake, this sin in your mind, it's not holy. That is not a good thing. Jesus doesn't want you carrying it around. He died for you. Is the grace of God sufficient? Is it big enough to let you forget it? It should be. That's why Jesus died. And so as we think about it, I give you some verses. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous. Ephesians 2, we are made alive because of God's great mercy. So one of the things we can forget, one of the things we can leave behind. Now, sometimes, you know, you kind of replace, you know, your, your history a little bit in your mind. And here's the test. If you can think about, you know, if you're thinking about, hey, I want to remember something that happened and, and this sin that you did comes to your mind, if you're feeling guilt, go back to, no, I've received God's grace. If you feel sorrow, well, that's probably about right. Because it's okay to feel sorrow about past mistakes. Would you wish you hadn't done it? That's okay. But guilt, no. When we try to live in the past, we're going to get stuck with guilt. And there's another thing that's going to happen if we live with the past, try to live in the past. We're going to remember it incorrectly. So in Numbers, the children of Israel are talking to Moses and they say, we remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. They were slaughtered. They were told to throw their male children into the Nile. But the food plan was really good. This is what happens when you get sentimental about the past. You don't think about it correctly. You don't remember. We're not supposed to live in the past. And when we do, we're going to get stuck. We have to be aware of our cultural environment. And part of this that gets us all messed up is we live in, a, uh, this was in an article uh, written to pastors, and this pastor writes, we live in America, the land of comparison and condemnation, and it subtly seeps, seeps into our souls. We get this just general negative stuff that comes at us. And so we can think, yeah. So one of the things that we might carry around with us besides our own sin is the sins of others. 
Sometimes we're sinned against. And when we're sinned against, it can be a wound, it can be a hurt. And when we are hurt, it festers. And we kind of seal it off and kind of secret it away like this. Garbage. And the longer you leave this in a jar, set it out in the sun, the worse it gets in your soul. You want a drink? And yet we do that. We go back and remember how we were hurt, how we were wounded, what someone did, and it's toxic to our souls. And, and the problem is our culture, even the culture around us that doesn't know Jesus, struggles with this. They, they get it. So if you're keeping a record of wrongs, that's what it looks like. So um, I got an article this week, or I got an email this week, and it sent me looking at this article. And this was written um, on Vox, which I don't, it's not a website I go to, but it's not a Christian website by any stretch of the imagination. And this woman was writing an article about it. The, one of the things she does is she quotes another woman, Elizabeth Brunig, from, who wrote something in The Atlantic, and this is what she says. As a society, we have absolutely no coherent story, none whatsoever, about how a person who's done wrong can atone, make amends, and retain some continuity between their life identity before and after the mistake. Do you hear that? This is a woman writing that our culture doesn't know how someone can come back from a mistake. So, um, so the woman, that's a quote in this article, the woman Aja Romano is her name, she writes this, the state of modern outrage is a cycle. We wake up mad, we go to bed mad, and in between, the only thing that might change is what's making us angry. The one gesture that could offer substantive change or at least provide a way forward, forgiveness seems perpetually beyond our reach. Grace, the act of allowing people room to be human and make mistakes while still loving them and valuing them, might be the holiest, most precious concept of all in this conversation about right, wrong, penance, and reform, but it's the one that never gets discussed. Well, she says almost never gets discussed. That's what makes the concept of grace so powerful. It forces us to contend not only with other people's human frailty, but with our own. To remember how good it feels when someone out of the blue treats us with respect, empathy, and kindness in the middle of an angry conversation where we expect nothing but hostility. 
to be shown the kindness of strangers when we expect cruelty and then bestow that gift in turn, that's the remarkable quality of grace, but there's little room for it when we're barely able to handle the concept of forgiveness and equally unable to stop being angry with the offender after all is said and done. And so we arrive back at the beginning of the cycle. This is how she concludes. We hang on to our anger, and all of this anger puts the possibility of grace even further out of reach. Perhaps there's a perverse commonality in knowing that no matter what side we're on, we're all bad at this. Being generous and gracious to each other is a difficult, grueling process for everyone. We all struggle at it together. Brothers and sisters, you and I are followers of Jesus. We know forgiveness. We have received forgiveness. We should be able to give forgiveness. The only way to get rid of this toxic sludge, the only way is forgiveness. Listen to Ephesians. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Hanging on to wounds of the past poisons your soul. This does not protect you Bitterness does not protect you from ever being hurt again. Being an angry person does not protect you from ever being hurt again. Let it go. Forgive. You've heard me say this. I'll say it again. When you forgive, you are not saying it's okay. You are not saying the other person was right. You are saying what they did was wrong, but Jesus died for what was wrong so that you could be set free, and they could too. I'm afraid to throw this in there. We'll set it down. When we pray... Um, the Lord's Prayer, it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, what do we forget? Well, we forget how impressive we are, (laughs) our resumes. We don't demand that we be treated a certain way because of that. We don't think about our accomplishments. Paul set those aside. You know, Paul... He, he didn't think he'd arrived yet. When you read his letters in Romans, he's talking to them about how, hey, there's work to be done beyond you guys. He'd planted churches all over Asia in um, Greece, the Grecian Peninsula, but he wasn't done yet. We don't rest on our laurels. There's more for us to do. We forget sins and failures. We forget wounds and heartaches. We leave them behind. But we don't forget God's faithfulness. So one of the things that you may have in your backpack is a journal. 
And maybe you write down things that God has done. And if you don't, you should. I, I talk a lot about solitude, and one of the things that I've encouraged you, if you've ever come to a solitude retreat, if you ever want to spend time with Jesus, you ever want to slow down and just kind of be in his presence and pray, one of the practices I encourage you to do is take a piece of paper and just empty your brain on it. You know, just write everything down, like people's names if you're worried about them, the tasks you've got to do, um, an appointment that you've got to keep, just anything that's just anything that's in your mind, just write it down. And don't do it in like in a journal, do it on a piece of paper, and then set it aside so you can focus. You'll be, you'll be surprised at how that gets the stuff that bounces around in your head, out of your head, so you can just be quiet. Well, I've done this, I don't know, hundreds of times, and every once in a while I'm cleaning out something and I find an old list, you know, like from 10 years ago or five years ago. You know what's funny? On those lists, there is nothing on that list that is bothering me now. It's like, that was, that, was, that was cool. Like I'm not worried about that anymore. And you realize how faithful God is when you, you remind yourself, Israel forgot about going through the Red Sea. They forgot about the fact that they were eating manna from heaven. They forgot all the time about what God had did. So we don't forget God's faithfulness. We don't forget God's deeds. We remember that. We cling to that. We remind ourselves of the story. The Psalms are filled with that. So that's one of the things. The other thing, and I put this in plastic because of that other jar. Um, we don't forget people. We don't forget family and friends and Think about Paul. He planted all these churches and you read his epistles and he prayed for people. He prayed for those churches. We don't forget the people in our lives. We remember. We move forward. So here's a, another passage that kind of tells us the same message as we think about forgetting what lies behind. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So I want to leave you with one more verse this morning. And this is from Isaiah. He says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So next Sunday, Paul tells us to forget what lies behind. I encourage you to spend some time with Jesus. Are you hanging on to anything from the past that you need to get rid of? Is there any toxic course of bitterness or resentment that you have not released to him? Is there any sin you haven't confessed? Is there any relationship you haven't made right? I'm not, and, and, and so let me caution you. When you pray about that, say this. Lord Jesus, I only want to listen to your voice. I only want to hear you. Because the enemy will love to tell you how awful you are and will. Don't listen to Satan. Don't listen to evil. Only listen 
to the Holy Spirit. And if there's something that comes up, he'll help you remember and help you know what the next step is. So I encourage you to do that. But next week, we're going to talk about what lies ahead. There is amazing things that God has ahead for us. And that's what Paul says. He's reaching forward to that. That's what we're going to talk about next Sunday. Let me pray. Father, we praise you that you are a God of forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we might be a people of forgiveness. Our culture is bemoaning the fact that it doesn't know how to restore people. Lord, we do. May we be people of grace. May we be gracious people who love well. Teach us to leave the things in the past that need to stay there. We don't want to live there. We don't want to go back to Egypt. We want to move forward with you. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.